the DH. I really like Brett Laurie, and I bet I could watch you strike out A-Rod all day. But when you're done doing whatever, when you're through playing whoever, you know that the Nats fans will be right here waiting for you. Hi, everyone. This is Resting Pitch Face with an uh, interruption from our regular baseball content, and we're calling it We're Quarantined, so wash your fucking hands and other baseball tips. I'm Kay. I'm Laura. And I'm Sydney. And uh, find us on our Twitter, Resting Pitch Face with no G. Find us on our website, restingpitchface.com. And if you're bored <laughs> in your back, uh, it, while you're stuck in your house, you can listen to all our back episodes on either iTunes or Google Play. So, so Zachary um, told us so, and everybody needs to wash their damn hands. <laughs> but tips from baseball players? That seems like it could lead us in a bad direction, except for this specific one. Yeah, but but yes. why don't we leave it with that one? Yeah, turns out Zach Grinke was right. <laughs> so, um, in the meantime, other than Zach Grinke being right, we don't have a ton of baseball stuff to talk about, as you guys obviously know, because... There isn't really baseball right now, um, but we do want to just spend a little bit of time sharing some information for anybody who's in a position to help out some people who are impacted by that. Um, so minor leaguers, given their generally dismal labor conditions as it is, um, are not getting paid right now by many organizations while the league is suspended or the leagues, plural, are suspended. Um, and so one way that if you're in a position to help out, you can do so, um, is there is a Twitter account called adopt a minor leaguer. Um, and I actually am personally participating in this so I can, um, let you know how easy it is if you want to participate, if you're able to participate. Um, this is just a regular person, baseball fan who decided to start organizing this, um, and is now a part of more than baseball, which is a larger organization. Um, that you can look into some more if you're interested. Um, so it, it is a little bit more um, kind of officialized now. It started out as just a guy on Twitter who wanted to help out minor leaguers. Um, so if this is something that you're interested in, um, the idea is to be paired up with a minor leaguer and you support them on a monthly basis through either gift cards or care packages or just cash. Um, and the range for that is about 100 to 150 bucks per month um, until the season starts up again. And the minor leaguer can tell you the best way that you can help them, whether it's you know care packages versus gift cards versus cash. Um, and personally, I have teamed up with a couple other people um, to share the financial commitment for one player. And so that is a great option if you, like me, don't have an extra 100 to 150 bucks a month but still want to participate. Um, so, you know, pull your friends, see if anybody else would be interested in going in together on the commitment. Um, and then the way it's been working is the Adopt a Minor League Player account has just been posting um, opportunities to sponsor people and it's first come, first serve. Um, so you just reply to a tweet that they'll, they'll post something like, hey, I have a daughter or hey, I have a national. Um, and you can respond and say, you know, I'll take whoever you have, or you can say you want a particular team, although eh, I think it's kind of nice to just take whoever they have. Um, and then um, they'll pair you up, and generally, for, in my 
and at least it went through Twitter DMs um, with a person who was verified, and I won't say who it was to protect his privacy, but um, we were collectively paired with a, a very nice seeming young man who um, is very appreciative of the program. Um, and we just started, so obviously it's just the first month, but um, we would definitely recommend if you're interested um, looking into that because it seems like it's been really helpful so far. Yeah, and so to clarify about minor leaguers working conditions, which we've talked about a huge amount. First of all, billionaires should just be paying them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, obviously. Like, let's mm-hmm. let's not mince words. And frankly, the fact that we're not all, that people, people are not all getting UBI right now, and then they just collect it from people who meet a certain income threshold on taxes is ridiculous. Um, but for minor leaguers in particular, they cannot collect unemployment. They are mm-hmm. technically employed, but they are not paid. Um, and because of that, they don't get a lot of benefits that people who are just unemployed get. Um, one of the other things that's going on right now is um, Emily Walden. Um, I don't know if either of you follow her. Yeah, so she's a writer for The Athletic. Um, She just won a Sabre Award for, uh, I think, Contemporary Baseball Analysis on her piece on minor leaguers not being able to afford to play baseball, um, which was written vastly before all of this happened. Um, But she also will pair minor leaguers with work opportunities, particularly short-term work opportunities that understand that they may have to, you know, hopefully go back to some kind of spring training ish thing at some point and then possibly play a season. Um, And so she is also uh, reaching out with various opportunities and will do so by team um, uh, just based on location um, in order to pair people with uh, essentially gig or short-term work to, to tide them over. Um, and she just wrote a piece about basically that they're looking to have to survive a lot of them on spring training stipends um, or spring training stipends and per diems, which are not enough t- to live on. Um, certainly not when they're used to supplementing their income with other things. Um, and those other things are now not available, um, like being uh, rideshare drivers, things like that. Um, so that's just another another way uh, people have of trying to fix a fundamentally broken system that needed to be fixed beforehand, but is now obviously uh, exacerbated by everything that's going on. Right. And then lastly, um, we've talked a little bit before about Our Baseball Life um, being the organization put together by the Ankeel family, um, helping baseball families in their relocations, etc., Um, They are also doing essentially a sponsorship program um, where they're recruiting major league players to sponsor minor leaguers. And again, obviously, as you said, Sid, none of this should need to be happening. The billionaire owners should be doing all of this. But since they are not, um, I think it's great that a number of major leaguers have stepped up as well. Obviously, the the info on who's doing what isn't public on that. but it seems like that initiative is going pretty well just based on what they've posted about it. Um, so we're very glad that they're doing something as well. Um, speaking of major leaguers who are also doing things, it should come as no surprise that Sean Doolittle is doing things. 
Um, so, yeah, so he, uh, if, if, Kay, have you seen these videos of, uh, him and, and I've seen the Aaron? AMA and I've seen the haircut and I was going to talk about the haircut later, but I guess okay. we'll talk, about talk about the haircut. Okay. No, I was just going to say, you know, if you want to, if we were going to give tips on things to do it, how to cut your own hair at home, he's got it covered. Well, technically Aaron's got it covered. Um, um she did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. It looked pretty good. Uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it was a very interesting, so this video is of, uh, Sh Sean and Aaron and Aaron maintaining Sean's mohawk, uh, from their, I think yeah. it looks like a, as somebody who stayed in many a residence in, it looks like their residence in suite in Florida. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, wow, millionaires, they're like the rest of us. <laughs> um, I was like, I recognize those lamps. Um, but, uh, they, they did a, an AMA slash haircut video slash, uh, fundraiser for the Capital Area Food Bank. Yeah. Um, who are doing great work. Um, and if you're like me and essentially in the house cause you're teleworking or, uh, feeling like you want to contribute, but don't know how, um, food banks are going yeah. to be probably vastly over overtaxed in the next few months. Um, so places like Capital Area Food Bank or uh, Feeding America, which distributes money to various food banks in various locations, um, are good ones to, to donate to if you have a little bit of money lying around mm -hmm. um, and want to help and, people in the community. And I would like to add to that as, as much as you can, try to find something that is um, very local to you because stuff like Capital Area Food Bank, these bigger ones, are going to get attention which is good and they should and they're doing a good service but sometimes the little ones that are local to your specific community people don't know about them and they're going to get hit just as hard so if you can find something that's close like literally in your town or your neighborhood that you can donate to there they need the help just as much but they don't get the publicity for it so um i would take a few minutes while you're stuck staring at your teleworking computer and do a, uh, do a google search for them yeah and also just if you are not teleworking which many 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 yeah. many people are not yes um you know just i mean obviously always treat people decently but like how do i put this if you go to the grocery store like oh please be nice, be nice to the clerks please. and give them give them money it's fine <laughs> just yeah. throw a 20 on there like if you yeah. can do it um yeah just because this is a this is a point where the very very strange social safety net that we pretend that we have is clearly non-existent so you know sort of whatever you can do in terms of mutual mutual aid and support um there's a few mutual aid networks in dc that you can donate to um i would recommend if you're looking for some uh the black lives matter dc twitter has promoted a few um but i agree find something local to you but you know what, whatever you can do and frankly money in some in a lot of circumstances is going to be more effective than food donation uh, oh especially right now yeah um and so yeah because because of food streams being diverted away from restaurants and cruise ships and college campuses and things like that um there is there is food it just has to get to specific locations and the way that you do that is money yeah um yeah so it, it you know obviously this is not confined to baseball uh you don't have to post a video of yourself shaving parts of your head to do it uh but Sean, we, appreciate, we yeah. appreciate that you did Watch and it. that you were really funny in doing it 
Um, we interrupt this program to share a very important announcement from FP Santangelo. Oh, dear. He has just shared with the world that he is reading a book that doesn't have any pictures. He can read? I mean, yeah, I'm kind of like Draco to Crab and Goyle right now. <laughs> Who taught you to read? <laughs> um, I will mention, so can I can I plug Buzzsaw if we're talking Please. about books? Go for it. Um, uh, Jesse Doherty, who is the beat writer for The Post, uh, has a book on the Nats uh, season, last season, that I think come out today. Um, I have a, a galley copy that he was nice enough to provide me because I'm writing a review uh, of it. Uh, it's definitely a, a worthwhile read. Um, I would say if you're looking to forget about the state of the world for up to seven to eight minutes at a time, um, <laughs> it is an excellent way to do so. I think I've read, like, I want to be clear about something. I am a homebody who does not generally like to leave my house <laughs> um shock. generally i know i know this is a shock so how do i like my life has not fundamentally changed that much which is a little sad and scary um <laughs> but i have read more baseball books in the past i think like eight days than i have in the past year <laughs> um so one of them was uh was buzzsaw um if you've read a bunch of his writing which i have a lot of it is very familiar um but there's some stuff about uh juan soto learning to hit by uh having his dad throw bottle caps to him whoa yeah and he did that in his dining room um <laughs> and so well his father played so there are a bunch of like men's essentially rec leagues in in the dr um, and so his father played in one and then Soto would, would come to the field and, and basically take batting practice after that. Um, but also would have his father toss him bottle caps and he would hit them, uh, in his, in his dining room growing up, uh, which is where he learned his swing. Um, so it's a lot of little, like sweet little anecdotes like that. Um, and then a lot of stuff like that's going to be familiar, like essentially game recaps, um, so much happened last year <laughs> like all at once and i know i'm saying that now where everything is happening all at once but so much happened all at once um it was interesting to read the game recaps because i'm like oh god i completely forgot that that happened i'm sure there's uh, a ton i'm, I'm mm -hmm. definitely gonna read it probably not quite yet but i'm I can't even imagine, like, between the rocking and the sitting on the bathroom floor and the blacking out and the calling you guys. <laughs> like, there's going to be a lot of stuff that I yeah. have completely forgotten about. Um, yeah, there is sure. an entire, like, vignette about people's weird rituals that they did Am during I the World Series. No, you're not, you would not even be top ten weirdest. <laughs> That's very reassuring, actually, but also a little bit <laughs> insulting. Um, <laughs> like, just they, you have to try harder. They were people who got on, like, a rowing machine on the seventh inning and would just row the whole time. And I'm like, oh, my God. I sat on my bathroom floor playing We're Not Gonna Take It on repeat for two innings. <laughs> okay, so maybe that is top ten weird. Bathroom uh, floor. He doesn't talk about any of the shrines, which I feel is a missed opportunity. I'm very insulted by that. Did that even get as far as, like, the post, or was that just... Because it was in a different magazine. Um, it wasn't in the post, but DCist had me, and then... Right. It was, I want to say it sorry, was like I... NBC Sports, honestly, that did something else. Oh. Like, kind of a listicle with tweets and people's pictures. It was less formal. 
mm-hmm. um, but it was definitely a national press publication. Yeah. So and something he should say, have been aware of. I want to say it was NBC Sports. I mean, he might have been a little busy. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was a lot going on at the time. Oh, so so speaking um, of the shrines, I wanted to plug a different book, and this is a, a good reminder of that. Um, so I pulled my copy of Baseball Life Advice off the shelf yesterday um, because I wanted to reread it, and it's covered in drips of red candle wax. <laughs> <laughs> From the original shrine, yeah. not even last year. Oh, Back wow. when Grace and I did this, what was it, 2017 now? Um, whatever year that was yeah. that I that yeah. I came down. Um, and wow. we had these red candles and we made the giant shrine with all the baby Ruth bars covering her entire dining room table. And then the red candle wax got everywhere and never came off of anything. Like my kitchen is not scarred by candle wax from the 2019 playoffs, but her dining room was never the same. Wow. Um, I felt a little bit bad, but she doesn't live there anymore. So um, it's probably fine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so baseball life advice is still covered in red candle wax. Um, but I would also <laughs> particularly recommend that as a baseball read right now. If you're looking for something baseball, but you're also, like I sometimes have been the past week, having trouble focusing for long periods of time. Um. Things are obviously happening really fast around us. My brain's been running a million miles an hour. Um, I slept fine last night, thank God, finally, but I hadn't really been sleeping well the last couple nights. And so I've definitely been having trouble focusing for more than a few minutes on anything, which is sad, but it's what's been happening to me. So if that's been happening to you, what's great about Baseball Life Advice for that is that the chapters can stand relatively by themselves. Um, It's kind of you know, a collection of shorter pieces that have an arc and a theme throughout, but you can read them individually and still get a lot out of them. Um, so if that's kind of how your brain is right now, or if that's just how your your time availability is right now, like if you're home with kids, stuff like that, you only get a couple minutes at a time to yourself, if that. Um, Baseball Life Advice by Stacey McBowles is really good for just like little bite-sized moments um, here and there for as long as you've got. So I would recommend it. Yeah, I think I think we might want to do a whole episode that's just baseball book recommendations. Perfect. Great. Um, Could it not be this one? Because I was going to say, I don't have any books to recommend right now. Yeah. I haven't read anything since I've been home. Uh, um, it can completely be a different episode. I am <laughs> like 75% through one, 15% through another 80% through a third because I like to read a bunch of baseball but like a bunch of books simultaneously um, and I usually do finish I just I like to to sort of hop between things um, so yes absolutely uh, but I can tell you like um, the resistors which is baseball sci-fi I am 11 and a half percent through and it is terrific thus far oh nice that's the one I yeah. requested from the library but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, so I'm going to probably start scouring the various library systems ebook stores to mm-hmm. see if they've got it anywhere. Yeah, and a lot of libraries have put uh, a bunch of, like, they've basically withdrawn holds on uh, ebooks right now. Nice, uh, yeah. And I know, like, Jaster, which is not book books, but obviously research, um, is, I think, completely open access, and there are a bunch of other places that want to access, too. Mm hmm. 
we could uh, sit here and list all the things that we're going to review when we review them. But so in other baseball related self-quarantine tips and tricks, <laughs> I have been hearing from a lot of people that they're running low on things like paper towels. And I just wanted to pass along a tip that I learned from my mother. She learned from her mother. We all do this in my family, which is that old t-shirts make really, really good reusable cleaning rags. So guys, I know that everybody's been really conflicted about what to do with those old Harper t-shirts. This is your chance to give them a new life in a way that's not wasteful. If you're out of paper towels, you can just cut up old t-shirts, use them as cleaning rags. They're washable, they're reusable, it's super green, and it'll give those shirts purpose that you weren't going to wear anymore. It's perfect. This is the best way to do that. Might even give you some satisfaction. If you have a particularly messy stain and you're particularly angry. Um, Depending on you know, your, your ongoing Harper feelings. <laughs> wa- washed with bleach. A little bit of bleach. Um, I will mention the old Nats t-shirts are actually very hardy. They will stand up to a, a ton, a ton of washings. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one that I have that is truly, and I don't know why, decaying just in the numbers is uh, the Ian Desmond one I have just has a bunch <gasps> of holes in it spontaneously. And I'm like, <gasps> like his swing. Oh. <laughs> oh. But <laughs> no, put it, save it. It needs to be preserved. Yeah, no, I, no I'm watching that one. I, I love it. I think it's probably falling apart just because I've worn it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that one in my, in my geo one, I think have seen, have seen a lot of action. Um, in terms of just wearing and washing, but yes, I, I agree with Laura, uh, make some, uh, either make some cleaning rags. If you can, uh, sew an edge at all, you can make them into handkerchiefs that you can wash again, please bleach everything. Um, but there's a a variety of things one can do with these. I mean, the (laughs) other thing you can do with your old Harper jerseys is, Keep them as a as a sign of hope that baseball will once again return and we can get back to petty bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, great at planning my petty bullshit. Speak for yourself. Like, how do I put this? This is going to be a long term thing, but mm-hmm. if if you need some some hope at the end of it that we can get back to ragging on the Astros uh, and ragging on Harper for saying he wanted to bring a championship to DC. And, you know, other other petty bullshit that you can use to occupy your time. Maybe that'll just, like, it, it's mm-hmm. not a, a, a household item other than, like, a psychological one. <laughs> I've, been, I've been thinking about it the other way, which is, if we don't play any baseball this season, n- the Nationals will still be the World Series champs. Like, you can't take the title away from them if you never play the game. This is true. Yeah, so, I'd rather, you know what, I'd rather have baseball. I know. <laughs> um, I think, so uh, in Japan, they've been, NBP has been playing in front of empty empty stadiums. So I believe you can stream it. Um, and I think the KBO is starting back up in Korea. The KBO uh, has definitely been in workouts. I don't know exactly when they're starting games again, but I've mm-hmm. definitely seen that they're in workouts. Um, so yeah, so I think that, you know, I think that if you if you are wanting to watch baseball, please bear in mind that there is baseball other than MLB um, or MLB plus independent leagues in the U.S., which should also be shot, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, 
but yeah, you can you can watch NBP, um, and I think soon the KBO on streaming. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I uh, know that they're showing all of the World Baseball Classic on ML from 2017 on a MLB MLB Network today. And yet, no one will show the Women's Baseball World Cup. Yeah, nope. I'm I'm not happy about that. Obviously, um, I yeah. Well, here here's hoping they they figure out that people are going to want to watch it. Um, ESPN keeps posting like, look at these absurd sports, and I'm like, you could you could show a women's baseball thing like one like as that's a little too, treat. That's too out there. They want absurd, not ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so before we all just explode <laughs> and you just find craters where we were. No, uh, you know what? I am happy to be mad at ESPN over. I won't say petty bullshit because it's meaningful, but like over that versus the existential terror of our societal collapse. Like, I'm I'm happy to just be kind of slightly pissy. Okay, yeah. um, that's fair. Anger, anger is a coping mechanism. It's my only coping mechanism. <laughs> so I think we all know what K's coping mechanisms are, um, and I wanted to come back to household tips and tricks because you guys have just taught me something really cool having to do with how you can make broth out of the kinds of things from your vegetables that you normally throw out um so okay since i've been kind of slow on the learning curve for this <laughs> do you want to explain to everybody else how you do this and then also maybe this week, because i'm trying to do it in the next couple of days and i could probably use some additional tutoring okay so vegetable we'll start with vegetable stuff because that's the easiest thing to do without while you're trying to reduce your own waste and you have some stuff that you don't want to um fresh vegetables are a bit of a commodity right now um so what you can do is if anytime you say peel a carrot right don't throw out your peels don't throw out the end that you would normally cut off you save that stuff from anything an, a slightly older onion mushroom stems if you don't normally eat those i use broccoli stems um when i did this you save it in the freezer if you're thinking long term in the fridge if you're going to make it regularly and then you can you can just stick it in a bucket in a bucket yes <laughs> please boil stuff in buckets no don't do that uh, <laughs> you you put it in water and salt it then you can just cook it like that and cook it down till it concentrates i find it's better if you roast all those scraps first with some oil and some salt and then you and then you dump them in your pot and use extra fat of some kind if you're trying to make it vegetarian you're kind of stuck with vegetable oil or olive oil if you're just using up your ends and you um, are not a vegetarian you can add schmaltz you can add lard you can add um, duck fat bacon fat stuff like that if you have it I don't think dairy fat would work very well. I've never tried no, it, no. but I really don't think that would work. But if you want it to actually be the next level, you need to add some kind of fat in there. And olive oil works great, especially if you have some from roasting vegetables already. 
So I, I did that today, actually. I was roasting yeah. carrots and parsnips. Um, the parsnips are going to go into my mini quiches tonight. Yeah. And Tom, in this long, protracted, painful <laughs> conversation we had on Twitter, where he was trying to explain all of this to me, and I just said, no, I couldn't. I, I, I got lost. Um, anyway, so he told me to save oil from my veggie roasting. And so yeah. I did that. I took the pan with all the carrots, once the carrots were off of it, and I tilted it, and I poured the oil into a little tiny... Tupperware and it was bright orange. Yep. It'll it do that. Really, it was really cool. Yeah. Um, and so if you have I, I believe like, beta care is beta carotene fat soluble? I would yes. assume so since it's just soluble in fat. I mean it's a soluble like it's a fat soluble vitamin, not a water soluble vitamin, correct? That's why you correct. turn orange if you eat too many carrots. I'm I'm asking. I'm i I'm asking somebody who knows more about like the inside parts of things than I do. Actually, um, so Beta carotene is not. Hang on, I need to. Also, I thought that was a myth. You don't actually turn orange if you eat lots of carrots. So like, beta carotene was... is a terpenoid. It's not technically a vitamin. Um, but looking at it. Yeah, it's got that long hydrophobic uh, tail oh, on God. it. Yeah? Hydrophobic. The, yeah, that's going to be wicked. I'm literally looking at the structure. That's going to be wicked fat soluble. Okay. Um, <laughs> you can join us later for biology class with Sydney and Laura. <laughs> well, yeah, because vitamin A is not the same thing as beta carotene, but vitamin yeah. A is the, the fat soluble vitamin that I think of in carrots in terms of vitamin vitamins. Beta carotene is not technically speaking a vitamin, but it is also fat soluble. So that's why I needed to kind of pause and confirm. But yes, the beta carotene is currently proving how fat soluble it is by sitting in my fridge in a little cup of orange vegetable oil. <laughs> Good work, um, beta carotene. I had to teach my my husband, who has been married to a Jewish person for mm, years, what schmaltz was yesterday. Ha have you never used it before with him? No, I have. And you've called it schmaltz. Yeah. And I so asked he just, him. So he knew that schmaltz was a thing that existed. He just didn't know what it was made out of. Um, so I basically said, okay. I had a bunch of chicken thighs that I uh, had cooked off. Um, and I did it in the oven so I could render some of the, the fat out of them. Mm -hmm. um, and use the fat for cooking. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm using, I'm using schmaltz in this. And I paused and went, do you know what that is? And he went, it's from chickens. Well, he was right. Yeah. And then I said, what from chickens? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I will I will say, I'm surprised that he has not osmosed this from you over the many years. But some people would call it chicken fat. And they would never think to connect the thing that is schmaltz with chicken fat. Like if they've never heard those two terms together. Yeah, right? so he, he did not know that schmaltz was chicken fat. Yeah. And I was like, it is the lard of the chicken. And he went, okay. Some people don't know what lard is. I I mean, yes, I'm, I'm sure that that's true. Uh, but, like, if, if I lived in, in a house with somebody who only, I don't know, deep fat, deep fat fried chicken in lard, and I didn't know what lard was, that would be weird. Oh, you get enough to, to deep fry? Your chicken no, in no, 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 no. It's gonna say, uh, wow, that's awesome. No, no, no. I I uh, do a a fifty fifty vegetable oil and Crisco combination okay. when I fry chicken. I say that because that would be so luxurious if you had enough schmaltz no. to fry your chicken in schmaltz. No, I just I used them in a <laughs> yeah. pasta sauce yesterday. It was yeah. very good. So 
So I have a lot of Crisco, in case anyone was worried. I I That's was good. not. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, yeah. You can definitely add that. Yeah, you could probably use that to in vegetable broth too, because mm. it's basically just vegetable oil that's solid. True. Um, I don't know that I need to. Um, no. But, but I, I, the, it's the point. Sorry, it's my main like baking fat yeah. that I use. I'm big on Crisco crusts. Yeah. So save um, that for that. But um, yeah, adding, but that's a good adding point. some kind of fat to your vegetable stock really kind of boosts it. it and so, if you're doing it. Like from your roasted the roasted carrots, you now have this carrot oil. Essentially, you add that into vegetable stock. It will add the flavor of those carrots into your stock. So if you had stock that was like all celery stems and mushroom stems and an old onion, you, if you added that oil to it, you would be adding in the flavor of the carrots. So how much oil? Uh, depends on how much liquid, how much water you're using, how much you're concentrating it down, and also how much how much you want to taste it i mean you do not need any at all it just boosts it to have like if if you're making if you're making animal stock or animal broth it's naturally got the fat in it you need to add it to vegetables if you want to give it that additional layer of flavor and robustness okay so essentially whatever i've ended up with yeah yeah i'll just add and however much that turns out to be will be fine and if you taste it and you want a little more, you add a little more, you know, it's okay. not, it, it, this is, this is cooking. What, it, you know, this, nothing here has to be precise. So. Right. But I'm a what, baker more than a cook. I, so yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's for ratios. <laughs> There's no ratio for this. You add enough until it tastes right. Yeah, exactly. All, All right. right. Kay and I can't agree on, on uses of nutmeg, but we can agree on this. <laughs> Let, let it be known that in the absence of talking about pigeon, we got in a disagreement about nutmeg and bechamel yesterday. Yes. And also, okay. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. No, we're not. Like, I don't want to get into bechamel. We are not re-litigating bechamel. <laughs> you, you put nutmeg in your mashed potatoes. Yes, that I is do. a crime. It's not. Martha Stewart is literally on my side. If you Google nutmeg, it's like a tiny little, like a teeny tiny amount. Like you would not know. To be fair, Martha Stewart is a criminal. (laughs) Yes, that is fair. So like she goes hard. Um, But like you've probably eaten mashed potatoes at my house and never been, oh, that tastes like pumpkin pie. Because it's just like, (laughs) it's a flavor that you're like, huh, there's a little something there. And it's it's nutmeg. I don't believe I've ever eaten mashed potatoes at your house. I make I make really good mashed potatoes. Uh, I mean, I almost I, got excommunicated from the family for adding nutmeg to my apple pies because my great grandmother didn't used to do that. Oh, so I understand that nutmeg is like a very polarizing topic, but I have to say I've never put it in mashed potatoes personally. Um, I make a sausage, kale, and white bean stew that nutmeg, just a teeny amount, is an excellent addition to. So I can see that because I do put cinnamon in my chili and it's great. Yeah. Oh no. See, I can accept the the little bit of nutmeg in the stew, but now we're talking cinnamon and chili and I can't. I got to back away. It's no. a veggie chili also, so it's probably kind yeah. of different. Many well, people I've, do I've, that. I've made and eaten a lot of vegetable chili. Um uh for hundreds of people, in fact. Um 
it's really but good. No. It just gives it a little bit of depth. You don't taste it as cinnamon. Yeah. I, I, I may be having trauma here because I used to have to eat the food prepared by someone who would regularly put cinnamon in his tomato sauce. Mm. Mm. It was just, it, mm -mm. Nope. Mm. no, no, nope, nope. Like nope. In, in a marinara? Like he would make what I would call red sauce. Okay. And put lentils and cinnamon in it and serve it over pasta. And if you might taste have the cinnamon, that's too much cinnamon. Like I, yeah. I think I've seen it in like goulash. Like cinnamon is definitely in goulash recipes a lot. Yeah, if you put it in the family of like warming spices. Oh yeah. So like, I, and I'm a I'm a big fan of of a warming spice, as you can tell. Um, but I think yeah, in in a in a red sauce is not that's that's a, a bridge too far for me. But yes. I agree with it in chili sometimes. Um, and again, it's just a matter of like a little bit to to give it a depth of flavor, and you toast it up. Um, not not a lot. I am traumatized that uh, this dude named Eric Phillips, who is, I think, a baseball reporter, um, posted his spice cabinet on Twitter. And it is, Kay, can I, can I share oh, my no. trauma? How bad am I going to be? Black okay. pepper, celery salt, cinnamon, and salt. That's it. How do people live... I okay, you can't judge me now, though. You I'm can't. not. I'm not. I'm not. You have a completely yeah. justifiable explanation, which is you are, you're building. You're building your cabinet. That is a man who has made choices. Yeah, and those wrong. choices are bad. Like, I have a problem with my size cabinet, but that's because I'm like, I'm a, like a spice magpie. I just like, ooh, a spice. And also, I have a brother-in-law who regularly gives us jars of spice mixes for, like, gifts that we do not use because I make my own spice mixes and I have like 10 of these in the back of my spice cabinet now. Um, the only correct, uh, I, I, I mean, seasoning salt and spice mix are different. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm talking about like Italian seasoning mix. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I am, fine. I, I am the, like, uh. yeah. Like, well, I mean, it's just, it, to me, it's an unnecessary thing. I am the Italian who mixes the spices. <laughs> I am the seasoning mix. Like, I don't need you to pre-mix my dried basil and my dried oregano for me. Like, I can do that. I am an yeah. adult. <laughs> yes, I, I agree with you as somebody who's like, why would I buy a chili powder when I have a spice cabinet? Why would like, you come for me with the chili powder like that? Why do you need to do that? Sorry. Chili powder is to... I'm not using it to make something spicy. It's not spicy. I'm not mad at you for using it. I'm mad at it as a product for existing. Yeah. Because that's all I'm doing, because I don't have time to make real chili or real food, if all I'm doing is taking some beans and some frozen-ass vegetables, and I'm putting them in a tortilla with some cheese, and I'm out of salsa, and I don't have any time, literal or figurative, not that I would put time in Mexican food, but you get what I mean, it is better for me to dump a bunch of chili powder on that than for me to not dump anything on that when I don't have anything else. As I said, I'm mad at it as a thing that exists because people then confuse it with actual powdered chili. Oh, yeah. No, not the same which thing. Which is a real thing that's good. <laughs> Vastly not the same thing, and I don't use it as the same thing. Yeah, but a lot of people do, 
because they think it's the same thing. I've, yeah. This is an argument I've had with many people who don't, who came to adulthood without knowing how to cook and then made me want to get, throw them out of my kitchen. Um, <laughs> I've cooked with a lot of people, some better than others. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think it's just a case of, I would rather have control and balance over it. I also feel like in some chili powders, they put like some anti-caking agents in it that oh, they, I feel like I can taste. They absolutely put anti-caking agent in it. Uh, my so ground like, chili in the free, my ground chili powder in the freezer, yeah. is it, it's in clumps. Yeah, it's uh, chili pepper that's been ground up. Yeah, and so I think that there's there's also like some some metallic notes that you can get out of it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably, like, but I'm also getting that out of my canned beans. So said are you okay no no i'm I'm fine i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine it's fine it's fine do you think i have time to soak beans no of course not i'm just no i don't soak beans either i i I use canned beans a lot in cooking i soak beans we know okay (laughs) (laughs) i made some really good white beans with lemon and garlic and duck fat and they were so Mm. i made a huge was it from the bon appetit video not the recipe, no. Okay. No. You, you haven't seen the Carla Makes Beans video? Oh, I have. I love it. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's an excellent video, but I didn't follow her recipe. I made my own recipe up using a similar strategy. Sorry. I'm yeah. Sure. Um, I I could, and I don't want to say this. Actually, you know, I'm not going to say that I could live off white beans right now because, like, I do not want to paint myself in that in that apocalypse corner. Um, but I love I love a white bean, so... I love a bean of almost any variety. Chickpeas, I feel like need a lot of help, and I guess they're, I guess they're 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 a legume. They're a bean. I'll call I'll call them a bean. They're, they're a bean, but garbanzo um, bean, in fact. Yeah, pintos, uh, black beans, red beans, white beans. I have soybeans that are probably gonna were bought to be made into miso. Mm may end up being partially sprouted yeah or possibly made into tofu and i have to decide i have like five pounds of them though so i have options yeah i was gonna say maybe a little for the fermentation station a little bit for the tofu a little for the gods yeah um (laughs) it's my offering (laughs) yeah i i mean i love a chickpea so i could i could eat that and and white beans and i do pretty much constantly um and in fact people's doing people doing a run on beans right now is is putting a a crimp in my normal cooking i have actually already had a conversation with a friend who like me does soak beans although she is an instapot so it doesn't take her two hours to cook her beans on the stove so she just does this regularly and she texted me very angrily yelling at me for all the white people who are hoarding beans right now (laughs) yeah and i'm like so I'm like, people buying pasta and beans, and they're like acting like it's a new thing. And I'm like, have you never eaten like someone who doesn't have money? Because it no. is a pasta and bean life. Like, yeah. um, like, oh, we could use frozen vegetables. Yeah, no shit, guys. Um, like, have you never lived off of things that you can get in cans and frozen? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm I'm still mad about my my first 
I don't know, five years of teacher paychecks. <laughs> Fair. It's not funny. I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> like, and, and those were so much better than my first year of writer paychecks, where yeah. I'm like, yes, beans and pasta will keep you alive. And mm-hmm. I can do some great things with them. But the fact that you're buying them and you don't know how to use them and you might not end up using them is just like, Argh. yeah. See, I bought flour. I bought an obscene amount of flour so that I can make my own pasta. And <laughs> I don't have to worry about keeping massive boxes of pasta. Um, yeah, though, eggs, eggs are in somewhat short supply. You don't need uh, pot, eggs to make pasta. My poor, my poor ancestors did not use eggs to make pasta. That is a you northern just, Italian thing. What do you thing. use? You can just use water. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to use eggs while I have eggs. But mm-hmm. that, that is a northern thing because the people in the north had the money. And the people in the south did not have egg pasta because... Actually, I don't know if that's true. That's what I've always been told, but I don't know if that's actually true historically. Can I just but, yeah. take a cranky vegetarian moment with the fact that everyone is buying all of the beans and all of the eggs? Yep. Um, and because of the the population in the area in which I live, there's also a run on tofu. Um, so I'm going to be very low on protein <laughs> very shortly. If you can get some soybeans, I can give you recipes on how to make tofu. I would love that. I don't know if soybeans are going to be easier to find than tofu. And frankly, I'm I'm feeling better now that I have this mini quiche plan mm-hmm. for tonight because they'll be much easier to freeze. Yeah, um, for sure. And tofu so, doesn't freeze well. No, and and, and neither did just eggs as eggs, yeah. but as quiche. So I'll be able to spread them out, um, and have have more protein in my freezer than I do right now. So that when I run out of it in other forms, um. I will have it in the freezer. Also, I, I'm also going to add that, like, while everyone should follow food safety guidelines, a, a lot of those dates are suggestions. Oh, God. And most so, of them are suggestions. Yeah, like, most, it's not an exact science, and it really is a suggested thing, and, like, food tends to tell you when it's bad. Yeah. Um, I am not saying that people should, like, I don't know, freeze and thaw meat repeatedly, <laughs> um, but, like, I'm like, eggs last a long time and the eggs will tell you when they are not good anymore um friend of the show uh jen jen uh i believe had a family member uh discard a tiny bottle of hand sanitizer because it had an expiration date on it oh dear i want to be clear that that does not go bad and they have plenty of hand sanitizer uh because you know of, of what they do in their regular life um, which necessitates, you know, hand sanitization. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, hey, friends, it's time we all learned to listen and look at our food. I do just and- want to throw a quick cautionary reminder on damaged cans, though. Yes. yes. That is yes. a hard stop. It's not the same as an expiration date. A damaged can can give you Botox poisoning. Yeah, don't don't get yeah. botulism, friends. No. Um, but, like... The egg, it doesn't matter if it hits its arbitrary stamp date. If it's not floating, when you put it in water, or if it smells fine, it's fine. Yeah. Specifically, these expiration dates are not even, like, I'm sorry to be a little tinfoil hatty. That's a conspiracy to make you throw away food and buy more food. It's also, it's best before dates, and you're like, okay. Yeah. Um, and, And so, like, things like cheese... Uh, fermented milk products. I'm like, these were invented by people who didn't have refrigeration and needed to, and and were practicing dairying 
and needed to have their food yeah. in hot climates. And they're made it of mold. And they're made of mold, thank yeah. you, and bacteria. Yeah. Like hard, hard cheeses, you can cut the mold off of them, for yes. starters. Butter, as long as you keep it away from oxygen and in the cold, it can last for hundreds of years. Yeah, I mean, like, so it's also, fine in your fridge. It will smell if it goes bad because fat is going to let you know things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I had to, I had a Crisco sniff test this morning um, I because I, ha I like to get it in bad. What? I don't think Crisco can go bad. If you I, have it enough years, and if there's like a little bit of something in it that was on your hands the last time you opened the tin. Fair. It'll tell you. It oh, can go it'll, rancid. It'll smell like it's rancid. And yeah. I had a package that was open and had been in the door of my fridge for an awfully long time. Plus, it was probably among the supply that I moved with last year. Um, but sniff test, it's fine. Yeah. I yeah. used it yeah. in my quiche crust. It's fine. Yeah. And, and I think there's a point of, of like, fat, fatty acids in particular aerosolize when they go rancid. Mm -hmm. You're going to know. Yeah. And also, I I shouldn't advise, I'm not trying to advise people to eat stuff that's bad, but olive oil can go rancid if it's exposed to light. You can yeah. eat it and you aren't going to get sick. Like, you it just, might taste you, a little weird, but it's fine. But, like, there's a reason you're not using it on your cutting board to oil your cutting board. And if you're not oiling your cutting board, please look at your life and your choices yes but also please don't use expensive olive oil to oil your yeah board. like use mineral the, use oil the... works just fine yes um but like mineral oil doesn't go rancid that's why you use it on a wood product yeah olive oil can go rancid when exposed to light so yeah. like I, I you know i've seen a lot of stuff about food safety and it's really aimed at people who have never genuinely cooked before which is and a lot I'm of like, people right now which is a lot of people right now and you know i i i was complaining obviously that they were not going to use their beans um, and I, and I feel for people, if you've never thought about cooking or never needed mm. to, I guess, survive on pasta and beans, though, I don't feel that bad for you. Um, like if you're, if you're surviving on things that is frankly more expensive than that, um, that there are limits to my sympathy. Um, but I, you know, I think that there's a point where you need to understand where the food came from. Um, and I feel that particularly for those dairy products that people are like, oh, God, mm -hmm. the sour cream hit a blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that was made by people who did not have refrigeration, who could not practice, uh, process lactose, and who lived in a hot climate and practiced dairying. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fine. I, And so if it's to, not, it will let you know. To tell you a horrible, what is horrible, because it's about my practices in the house i opened i had a thing of yogurt in the freeze in the fridge that i had forgotten about and it was from december and i was like oh this may have gone bad i i, I, was it I had not un i had never unsealed it i took the seal off and i looked at it and i was like this is completely fine now of course i opened it i have to eat it within the next mm -hmm. week but this is a three the, the x excuse me we bought it probably in november because the best buy date was mid-december and it is now middle of March, and that yogurt is completely fine. Well, and it was sealed. I, yeah. It was sealed, but it had it, it was not exposed to oxygen. And it just was sat there, and it was completely fine. Well, so, okay, so for yogurt in particular, and I'm somebody who has made a lot of yogurt in her life, um, because I used to do a, a lab with students about yogurt, um, and 
the idea that like basically there isn't spontaneous generation of bacteria that like and and I guess this is an important lesson right now um like there isn't spontaneous generation of living or you know semi-living in the case of viruses material you know pathogens come from other pathogens microbes come from other microbes etc whatever so the classic experiment is to do that with like broth and uh bacteria and that's what pasteur did um in order to do it i did it with yogurt this is again yogurt made by 14 year olds who practice sterile technique but they're still freaking 14 yogurt will let you know when it is not right (laughs) um is what i'm gonna say so like they would you you in order to make yogurt you essentially bring milk to about 90 degrees fahrenheit um and then and then you uh cool it to a certain temperature you inoculate it with yogurt you seal it up until it's unsealed it is not exposed to anything other than the yogurt bacteria like there's not going to be sneaky other pathogens in there because they're not magic they can't penetrate the wall of a plastic container Mm -hmm. like and if it's essentially brought to a a degree that is repasteurizing it uh repasteurizing milk cooled to a, a temperature that those yogurt bacteria like that almost no other bacteria like added yogurt bacteria which then actually fight off other pathogenic bacteria and sealed it's gonna be fine welcome to biology class hello (laughs) so i think we've found our theme um basics having an understanding of basic science is very important (laughs) i was gonna go with food science brought to you by (laughs) resting bitch face yeah i feel like we each have unique contributions to this that brings together a very nice whole yeah, we should we should uh, solicit questions for next time from people who are like, oh, I don't know how. To, how do you make regat? Honestly, I feel like we sh- we should just do like, yeah, f- food science with with resting pitch face would be awesome. <laughs> I think I mean this episode is definitely part one of something. <laughs> <laughs> food and books because you're in the house. <laughs> yeah, this is an excellent time to learn how to cook if you've never had to do it and it's a great time to read if you already know how to cook <laughs> um, say if you already know how to read and i was like <laughs> are we back to fp again uh well and i was gonna say like you know big shout out to the bon appetit the bon appetit channel uh, on youtube um who are who are still producing from i believe their homes at this point oh God, are they actually <gasps> yeah they sent them all home with tripods um, i knew that they all just got sent home i didn't know that they were necessarily producing content yeah they're they're going to produce content i you know i and i'm you know one of the three million people who subscribes to the youtube channel so i'm sure people are familiar with it but like you're up to five million now. yeah they <laughs> are spectacularly unfussy about food um and i feel very yeah. good at explaining what and why they're doing um as well as telling you th- logical things that you can like substitute in if you have stuff um so if you would like a, a a band of attractive young people to teach you how to cook you have those resources available yeah and she's I, not I, talking about us but yeah no if you really do need some like if you want some very specific knowledge too that's a great place to go like or you're just you know you've been eating something for three days and you're like, I need to get out of my rut. You can go and find an inspiration for something else. So yeah, one of the most recent recipes I was kidding about pasta and beans was literally about how to cook pasta and beans. 
Pasta Fajol. Yeah, it's Pasta Fajol. So or they, they if did I said it how I grew up saying it, but Pasta Fajol. Um, but they did it with, you know, canned tomatoes, uh, with beans and with some pasta. It was spectacularly unfussy. It was with mostly stuff that you would have um, if you stocked up, if you don't know how to cook the beans that you bought in bulk and denied the rest of us beans, this is a great time to learn how. Yeah. I am going to, that is actually several months old, so you may have to scroll back for that particular video. It's not that recent. <laughs> um, oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like it is, but it's actually a couple months ago. Okay. But st uh, we're finding. It's, we're it's finding. worth finding. And that is a, a recipe that... Again, if this is your first time going, I have pasta and I have cans and I need to be alive, it will help you with that. They definitely do have several, um, what I would call pantry pasta-esque type pastas that are not requiring you to go and buy like caviar and like um, boutique something. You know, you can go and get what you've got in your pantry and make a lot of the pastas that they have recipes for. Is now the time for me to admit to you guys the stunning number of Annie's shells I have in my cabinets right now? Oh, good. I'm glad. Don't I don't want you to tell me about it because now I'm craving. Now I'm craving it. Yeah, oh, I haven't had it in years. A, that's not a thing we're gonna judge Laura for. Okay, I'm no, I'm, no, 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 Annie's, no. Annie's mac and cheese is amazing. Throw some frozen peas in that, and oh. maybe like I I don't know if you eat tuna fish, but a little bit of tuna. I don't eat tuna fish, but I do tend, to, if I have time, and I'm not just doing it as, like, and I don't have time for anything else, I do tend to put veggies in. There's a really good, like, butternut squash variation you can make mm -hmm. on pasta with Parmesan. Ooh. Um, you basically mash the, like, you roast the squash, and then you can mash half of it in with the cheese mixture and milk, and then mix the other half in as, like, squash pieces. Yeah, no, that's that's really tasty. And again, speaking of, if you've never had to live off of things that will keep you alive, <laughs> because you've somehow miraculously lived off takeout for your adult life, um, I, that is I a great place to start. I don't. How do people do that and have money? They buy cheap stuff on deals, or they prioritize that uh, versus something else. I don't know. I've had friends who literally. That's all they ever ate was takeout. I, it's just it's I mean even in even in my area, which tends to have really cheap food, is it's pretty expensive. Yeah, the main people I know who do that are New York people. Yeah, um, and like I I mean I can go and get well I can't right now go and get, uh, but like I can I could live off pupusas if I so tried. Uh, oh. I would like to live off pupusas for the rest of my life. I may try making um, those. Yeah. Do you have masa? Yeah. I, I have about a, I have about like one two pound bag that's gotten a little bit used. People were buying from my local uh, import store eight packs of two pound bags of masa. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. This is this is maybe one of those things that I fundamentally don't understand how people do it. Um, and I like to cook, so that's the other thing. Um, but I, I'm just kind of like, hey, hey, friends, yeah. people who are like, this is this is not the it's difficult because it is a really difficult time. But I'm like, hey, you're gonna have to learn how to eat like a person who doesn't have any money. Yeah, and also that's gonna mean saving things that you would otherwise, like maybe you do cook all the time, but you don't save your carrot ends. Yeah, I've never done that before. I've never needed to. I've composted them before when yeah. I've lived in places where it was easier to compost than I do right now. 
but I've never made broth with them. I knew you could do this kind of thing with the things you don't eat of chicken. Yeah. Um, my mom does that constantly. But as a vegetarian, I didn't know you could do the same with vegetables. It was you absolutely, exciting. Yeah, you absolutely can. I mean, the ideal thing to do is have access to use the parts that you would normally want to eat. But if you want to eat those, you can use um, – you can just – yeah, grab all the grab all. I used to keep a bag in my freezer for for this, and would make it like once a month. I kind of stopped doing that because I ran out of freezer space <laughs> to do it. But um, yeah, so save save parts of things that otherwise you might toss. So if you're not a vegetarian, bones you can save those and make stock out of those or broth, depending on which preparation method you prefer. Um, what technical difference between broth and stock? Um, roughly stock is roasted and bones broth is meat and not roasted. You can use bones to make broth. Um, as long as you don't, if you, if the bones are not roasted, if you roast the bones, then it becomes stock. Did I get, did I get, I know it's a weird distinction and I use them. I use the terms interchangeably, but when I make, when I say I'm making meat stock because that's what I typically make I'm using um like feet and carcasses and stuff and I roast it and basically you get all the fat and the gelatin out and so you have stock that is solid at room not at room temperature but at fridge temperature Mm -hmm. my mother used the terms interchangeably but I think whatever she makes generally always includes carcasses yeah. Yeah, and I mean like the term bone broth comes up a lot oh. and you're like unless it's vegetables, it's all bone broth, friends. You can you can make broth just like if you put like chicken, breast chicken breast in water and salted it, that would be broth. I'm going to crawl under my carpet. <laughs> like I want to hide from the world generally right now, but like yeah. What? how why how no yeah like but it would technically it would be horrible broth but it would technically be broth there's no fat to anyone i'm so mad all right okay can we yeah i think we need to start wrapping up yeah um for those of us who are currently home without any pets to keep us company my one request for us to wrap this up with is for you guys to give me and all of our wonderful listeners a little update on how all of the cats are doing. <laughs> Sid, would you like to go first? Yes. Um, I have one cat right next to me. Her name is Juniper. She Hi, has a Jennifer. foot. She has a little foot. Um, I, I am also on closer inspection. That foot contains beans. They are toe beans because of her toes. Uh, there is another cat, uh, who is sleeping in his cat tree. His name is Rocky. Uh, he is a big boy, uh, scientifically speaking. Uh, Laura, how big does a cat have to be to be a big boy, technically? I think about as big as Rocky. Okay, thank you. Uh, he is a fighting 14 pounds and gonna be 20. Oh, yeah. Um, when you accidentally adopt a large cat breed and don't know it. <laughs> Remember how you what? denied it to me for like weeks? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I accidentally adopted cats that turned out are going to be enormous because they, they play with water and they have meows that sound like birds and they have big bushy tails. And even though he was the, uh, he was born a day after his siblings, not breathing. And my mother-in-law had to do tiny kitten CPR on him with one little finger. Um, 
he is he is fine and thriving. Um, and the only effect we can we can see is uh, it's possible that some of the muscles in his uh, head didn't quite develop right because he's a little bit cross-eyed. Um, but well, otherwise, so, I, so we can't hold that against him. No, and he's a perfectly functional cat um, with, as as my husband puts it, big pile of socks energy. Because <laughs> uh, I once thought my husband had left socks on the floor and it was the cat. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? What are you doing? And I was like, oh, those moved. <laughs> um, and then lastly, uh, Godzilla, who is the, the third cat. Can I guess uh, how she's doing? Yes, please. So I'm going to guess that she is hunting things. Yes. Possibly her she brother. Saving people and hunting things, the family business. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm going to guess that she's fluffy and wonderful and very large. Those are my guesses. How is she? She, uh, she has tiny paws. Um, she has been on, uh, so my husband's teleworking. She has been on every single meeting he has had. Um, because she is his cat. Um, so she sleeps on his feet all day and likes to, to video bomb meetings. Um, but otherwise, very fluffy, very good. Uh, very, very happy for this, this amount of people being home. Oh. How, how are your three? <laughs> well, we so, have a normal number of cats. And I don't even have any, and the average is still higher than <laughs> on, ever. <laughs> on average, we have two cats per person, which is a normal number. <laughs> I still think three is a normal number. That said, your three like each other and are friends. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> um, so none of my cats have been able to tell... First of all, I haven't been um, actually video chatting with anyone. But even if I were, none of my cats have been able to uh, photobomb my my work because they're not allowed into the office room because there's too many things that they could jump on and break in here. Um, Papa and Dot are mostly doing fine, except that every now and then, Dot, who is eight pounds and has a Napoleon complex the size of the planet, <laughs> gets in a snit and decides... She just doesn't want to see his face and just runs over and smacks him. Aww. And then I get to endure several minutes of her screaming like she's being murdered because Papadell is 15 pounds. Oh my, <laughs> he's how big? He is 15 pounds. That is what we call in the business a big boy. Big boy. <laughs> and he jumps on top of her and she doesn't like that very much. And then so she screams like she's being murdered. Not as much as she used to, but a lot more than what I would like, which is none. <laughs> um, but other than that, she's happy when he's not physically in her presence. And sometimes she plays with him. And he is big, dumb, and orange and <laughs> enjoys <laughs> enjoys everything all the time. So he may, he'll probably show up, continue to show up on various Twitter feeds because he likes to help with cooking. And by help, he's he, a good helper. He he sticks his nose in it. He doesn't even stick his giant beans in the beans. He sticks <laughs> his big nose in the beans. <laughs> like that that's not food for you. Um, so they're doing okay. Toodles is under quarantine, quarantine Aww. because he's on special food now, special prescription Aww. food. So he can't eat their food and they shouldn't eat his food. So he's in quarantine, quarantine. And in fact, is going to get let out of it when we're done here. So he can run around the house for a little while. But they're doing as well as could be expected. Well, please tell yeah. them all I love them very much. Fat and happy. 
and bored. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Fat, fat, happy, excited that people are not leaving. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. so. Um, all right. I hope everyone, and that includes the listeners, like everyone be well, be safe, be distant. Stay home. Yeah. Please, the most pro-social stay thing you can do is stay the hell in the house as much as you can. Yeah. If you uh, are able, please do. And no matter what, wash your goddamn hands. Zach Greinke would want you to do it. We would want you to do it. The World Health Organization would want you to do it. Yeah. Save um, hand sanitizer for when you can't wash your hands and for people who need it. Just wash your damn hands. And if you hoarded masks, bring them to a damn hospital. Yes. Please bring them to a damn hospital. Oh my god. Mm. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. I think that's that's yeah. where we're gonna leave it. Um, I love you guys. We I love, love you guys. we love all of you. We love you, Nats Twitter. We love you, Nats fans. Everybody, take care of yourselves and each other as much as you can. Okay. And try in this time of great stress to be kind. Yes. Yes. And if you want any food like recipes or advice come come find us on twitter absolutely and if we get enough questions we will do another episode just of that <laughs> yeah which will momentarily transform into a food food podcast and which honestly probably inevitable yeah and if you're reading <laughs> if you're reading a good baseball book and want to recommend it to me oh, yeah. please do that yeah, i please. you know so um we all we all have our coping mechanisms and i've seen a couple baseball writers feel weird about continuing to report on baseball while all of this is happening but frankly like we all need it a little bit because yeah. for all the reasons we always need baseball we need a bit of an escape so all right all right on that <laughs> on that note i'm sorry this has been a somewhat of a downer episode i, I mean okay the world's on fire <laughs> <I know. laughs> um but take care of yourselves until next time, and there will be a next time. Um, yeah. I'm Kay. I'm Laura. And I'm Sydney. Wash your hands. Wash your hands! Wash your damn hands. Please come back, Tyler. It's just not the same since you went away. We really miss your eyewear. And the way you confuse batters at the plate. There's a C for you right next to Drew, and we need you to pitch the A. Besides, there's no other team uses chocolate sauce to celebrate.